0: moved by fear to leave the famine that had hit the land of Canaan and to travel down into Egypt where he had found out that there was plenty to be uh, uh, experienced as far as the necessities of life were concerned. But when they'd approached the borders of Egypt, Abram had once again uh, possessed that specter of fear that had driven him out of the land of Canaan, and here they approached what was supposed to be their salvation as they come into the borders of the land of Egypt. And we find that Abram is once again attacked by this specter of fear. And the fear that had overtaken him in this particular situation was connected to his wife. We found out last week that Sarai was of exceptional beauty. And... uh, At this point, it became uh, a situation where Abram felt that her beauty became a liability, specifically to him, that put his life in danger. And so he determined to remain committed to his course of action that he had taken, which was to go down into Egypt. He wasn't going to turn around, he wasn't going to go back. And instead of uh, maybe recalculating things and trying a different tack, he remained dedicated to his course, and in order to do that, he devised a plan. He came up with an option, a plan that was going to, he thought, help him secure his safety and enable them to go on down into Egypt without any, uh, without any other further uh, problems. And yet as we looked at this, the plan that Abram adopted was not much of a plan after all. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot to the plan. All he thought of was that the solution to the problem here is just simply I have to persuade the people of Egypt that you're my sister and not my wife. And that's, that was his plan. That was his plan. Uh, not well thought out. Uh, It didn't take him a long time to come up with that, I'm sure. So it wasn't really much of a plan. But he felt like that was all it was going to take to provide him with safety as they journeyed down into Egypt. There were were so many flaws in this concept and in in this uh, simplicity of, of an answer that he was devising for his safety and the safety of his, well, uh, the whole group that he was with, that was with him. And the major part of this plan that he was going to implement to try to help his safety was going to involve deceit. He was going to have to deceive And this decision to incorporate the use of this questionable act, this morally questionable act, was going to become a major trait that was going to haunt his lineage for generations to come. And we ended last week by saying it would be wise for us to consider the legacies that we may be creating by the choices that we make because those legacies can be passed down throughout generations beyond us there are traits that have been connected to families for generations that were started by a decision and a choice that someone up the line had made years and years before and the family suffers because those traits are carried on until someone in the family has the nerve to stand up and do whatever it takes to break that, to break that cycle, to break that trait, to tear it down and to destroy it. And if there are traits in our families that we know about, traits that we battle with, it would be wise on our part to deal with it and to put it to death. Death. So that it has no longer a power in our family. And we can destroy that. We can do that. We can do that. Not on our own. With God's help. We can break those family traits. That can be so destructive. And so devastating to our families. And Abram is going to have to deal with this. Not just at this point in his life. There's going to be other situations that come along in his family lineage, that are going to also face that same same situation where that legacy is going to rear its ugly head. So Abram's plan had become one that he was going to uh, use his wife and in their joint duplicity in deciding that they were going to be deceivers, Is that really the quality that you want your spouse to develop? How many of you like it when people lie to you? When they they tell you things that you know are not true. Trying to deceive you into thinking something that they want you to think when in fact the opposite is true. I don't like it. We want people to be honest with us. Now, you don't have to be cruel in your honesty. And some people just have no filter on that. And they just blurt it out, and you can destroy people with honesty. Did you know that? People have been destroyed by other people just being honest. Well, you know, you can be honest with people, but you can also be compassionate in your honesty. And that's what we need to practice Honesty, but be compassionate in that. And so here they are developing this plan that's going to cause them to become deceivers. And again, it's not something I think that we really would like to have developed in one another. But that's the plan of action, that's the course now that they've taken. We're going to see how successful this plan is. The two of them are going to need to completely change their relationship with one another. Now, if you've spent a lifetime developing a relationship, it's not to, it probably isn't going to be that easy to switch over and to change that course of action. But that's what they're going to have to do. They have to change their relationship. And they have to do it quickly because they're entering into Egypt already. They're already on the doorstep. So Abram had to make sure that he now came across as her older brother and therefore her guardian, and he had to do so in a convincing way. He couldn't couldn't be appearing now to to be seen as her husband. He has to be seen now as her older brother. And she's his charge or his ward, and he's got to care for her as though she were his sister. And that's a totally different dynamic a totally different especially in that time and in that age when he became basically the father figure because his father was dead and so now then his sister became his charge so he would have to treat her as a father would treat his daughter so it was a whole different dynamic that he was going to have to try to pick up on and change and think about every time that questions were asked or situations arose he was going to have to he was going to have to respond in a totally different way. And Saria, I also was going to experience a situation where her status was had gone from being the wife of a rich and powerful man. Now she's going to be seen as a subservant to him and she's going to have to follow along his, behind him in his footsteps as you know, his sister. And she was going to have to do everything that he said. And we already know that well, we'll find out later on anyway, as the story develops, that that wasn't their relationship at all. She had a voice. Abram listened to her. Uh, they would talk about situations, and she would offer suggestions, and he would listen. That's not the case now. That whole dynamic has to change. Now, he's making all the decisions, and she has to agree. She has to become... This woman who is seen completely compliant to her brother's demands of her. And again we see that power, that fear and desperation can evoke in us as it creates a desire to survive. It causes our senses to be heightened and it pushes us to up our game in order for us to be able to secure our survival. I don't know if anybody here has ever experienced maybe you're starting a new job and anytime I've ever had to start a new job there's a certain amount of, of fear you know it's unknown you don't know what actually what you're getting into you don't know if you're able to actually do the job you don't know what the job entails and so you may lose a couple nights of sleep or whatever just being frightened about what's going to happen when you actually get there and in my case, at least, whenever I've done that, whenever I get to that job site to do the job, everything is heightened. I can remember, when I usually have trouble remembering stuff, buddy, I remember everything. Everything they say, I remember it. Everything they're, everything they're instructing me to, I remember it. I'm making a point of it because my survival depends on. And so that's what happens when we get into situations where we feel like our survival is depending on something. It heightens everything. So we up our game. We, We push it to the limit because we know our success depends on that. And I believe that that's exactly what's occurring at this point right here in the life of Abram. And it made the two of them become very convincing in their deceit. They were quick studies. And... They presented themselves to the Egyptians in this scenario, this new scenario where he's the brother watching over the sister. And I think the ease with which they settled into this new relationship should have been a cause of concern. Because it uh, that wasn't really the normal role that we see Abraham in. He's kind of letting his moral compass be compromised. And for all of these measures that they were using to fool their new host, these Egyptians, the main purpose had been to ensure that Abram would be protected from the loss of his life. That had been the main thrust. That's what he told his wife. I I, I fear for my life. And so this is my plan to ensure that my life will be spared. That was the main purpose. But we're not told if Abram had shared with Sarai what other things could befall them, even if this main purpose that he had established as his main purpose for the plot that they were a part of was to succeed. Such as that while Abram's life could be spared through their efforts of this duplicity in in, uh, being deceitful, um, what other relationships and situations might result from this outcome? Even if it would succeed that his life would be spared, would there be something else that could happen that would still be bad? Had he even considered that there was still a good chance that something else could arise in this process of his personal salvation worrying about himself that was going to put his wife's life at risk had he even considered that because we're not told because his main concern right now is his own skin had Abram made any provision for the prevention of some high-ranking and therefore some powerful man in egypt from approaching him about striking up a bargain for his wife you know his daughter now or his not his daughter but his sister now had he even made any provision for that we're not told that he did we're not even told that he even considered that as a part of a plan of happening so yes he could manage to keep his life secured But then in the midst of that process, he could still end up losing. You know, there are things that we can do to protect our lives and we can still be losers. Because there are some things you really don't want to lose even more than you don't want to lose your life. There can be some things more valuable than our lives. And Abram's about to find this out. Because if Abram were to lose Sarai, he would then be faced with the situation of losing the promise that meant everything to him. And I don't think he'd considered that. God had promised him a lineage that was going to become a multitude. Now, he can't do that on his own. He's got to have a partner. And guess who God had chosen as his partner to see that fulfilled? Sarai. And if he loses her, he loses the biggest part of the promise. Everything else falls apart if he loses her. So he can still save his life but he becomes a major loser in the most important part of his life. I think that we can begin to see the risk that Abram is taking by his decision to continue on with his plan. It's astronomical. It's a great risk that he's, he's putting all his eggs in his one basket and it's not a, very, it's not a good basket. He is a man playing with wildfire. How can you control wildfire? You can't. That's why it's called wildfire. It does what it wants to do. And you try to put it out and it jumps out someplace else and you put that out and it's already over somewhere else. He's playing with that. He's playing with that. There's way too much riding on this unknown potential outcome of his plan, and it would appear to have as many holes in it as Swiss cheese. So he plugs it up over here, and it's going to pop out two places over here. You plug those up, and it's going to come out somewhere else. He's not going to be able to effectually, uh, successfully complete his plan. Not as he's got it set up this ill-advised adventure was more than likely going to end up with Abram getting burned very severely very severely but with literally everything on the line they decided to move on ahead with their plan and in this Abram put the bullet into the chamber spun the cylinder of the gun as they moved forward into the land of Egypt how many times have you and I played our own game of Russian roulette with we've loaded the gun we've spun the cylinder making our own decisions just hoping that when we pull the trigger it's not going to be on the loaded the loaded one loaded chamber that's what he's doing here it's never a good thing for us to try to take control and make major decisions in our lives that can have tremendously detrimental outcomes, not just for us, but for people who are associated with us as well. Because I'm promising you, it will not turn out good. That's why we need God. And that's where he made his big mistake, is he didn't include God in this. Lesson time. Thank God God is so patient in dealing with us and in wanting to let us know you could have avoided all of this if you'd just come to me. But he'll let us make our choices. He'll let us put the bullet in the chamber. He'll let us spin the cylinder. And yet he wants to help us. And we're going to see that play out here, thank God, in the life of Abram. So Abram had come up with this half-baked plan that was doomed to fail before it was ever going to be implemented. And I want us to take a look really quick here in uh, Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 14. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 14. It says, and it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, this is after he's made all of his plans now, they've been practicing, the Egyptians beheld the woman, talking about Sarai, that she was fair. That she was fair. We've already talked about that word, Fair. And it doesn't mean just pretty. It means beautiful, gorgeous. So they've come into Egypt now. And once the Egyptians have seen her, they know there's something special about her, about her beauty. And so right away, as soon as they enter into Egypt, these events begin to unfold a whole lot more quickly than Abram had been able to anticipate. He thought this might happen, but he thought it was going to take a little while, but this is as soon as they enter into Egypt. Word gets out as soon as they come into Egypt. It was like he was trying to break into some place without being detected, but instead of while he was trying to break in there, he set off every alarm there was. Not really what you were wanting to happen. You were wanting to try to go in kind of covertly, you know, so that nobody's the wiser, kind of sneak in and then let it out as 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 you want to do it. And instead. The alarms went off as soon as they crossed over into the border into Egypt. Thinking about what Abram had sought to do as uh, as we've just been examining this situation, there was a thought that occurred to me. If you have a treasure and you know that you're going to need to transport that treasure into some place where there is known to exist a a great host of thieves. Wouldn't you at the very least want to try to hide it and keep it out of sight? I mean, that makes sense to me. If you've got something that's valuable and you're if you're coming into a place where, you know, there's thieves that are looking for what you've got. Wouldn't you want to just pretend that you don't have it, hide it away somewhere where they nobody knows. That you got it. Why wouldn't Abram do everything that he could to have Sarai kept secreted away somewhere? Why wouldn't he have hidden her? rather than letting her ride around with him so everybody could see. That, to me, would have been a better plan. Probably had a lot more chance of being successful. And even if they did discover her, at least then he could try to do what he needed to do to salvage the situation. But that's not what happened. He went into the, into the kingdom of thieves... With the greatest prize of all, and he hoped everything was going to turn out okay. Again, not well thought out. I think that Abram did what he did because he greatly underestimated what he was going to need to deal with. Sarai's beauty had become something that he was all too familiar with. And while he certainly knew that she was a beautiful woman... It was his familiarity with her beauty that had caused him to underestimate how her beauty would be received by others when they first saw her. You and I, when we received the Holy Ghost, maybe it was years ago, we received something beautiful. And yet, as we continue on, sometimes we grow all too familiar with With what we've been given. With the beautiful, priceless gift that has been bestowed upon us. And when we do that, we can open ourselves up to thinking things that are not necessarily true. Because we begin to devalue what we have. It's common to us. It becomes normal to us and in the process we can come to a point where we can risk losing it because its value has become lessened to us. And Abram is in the process of that very situation happening with him and his wife. He had not he had never been accosted in on his travels for on these journeys, due to the beauty of his wife. I mean, he'd never had to face this before. But then Abram had likewise managed to underestimate the effect that others who were extremely great admirers of beauty and women might experience. Upon their being subjected to the degree of beauty which Sarai possessed, he underestimated the effect that her beauty was going to have on those who greatly admired the beauty. Because he... The, the, the places that he had already gone through weren't of that same mindset as the Egyptians. And so it had given him a, a little bit of a sense of false security when he had gone down there. And it was, in fact, her extraordinary beauty that got noticed almost instantly upon their entering into Egypt. In fact, the news of her beauty managed to travel much faster than this old uh, cumbersome caravan could take him. And soon the news of this stunning woman who had just entered into their country had managed to reach the ears of the what the Scripture says, the princes of Egypt. And that word princes is the word sar, and it means persons of authority such as captains and chief magistrates or governors, so it's people of authority. Before they would even get to the places where these magistrates or these authorities were, They were waiting because the news had already reached them, and so they were there waiting for her to show up so they could see for themselves. So these men of authority, they they heard about this newcomer's exceptional physical appearance, and they decided that this was something that they needed to see for themselves. And let's read Genesis 12 and verse number 15. And it says, the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. They wanted to make sure that everybody knew, including Pharaoh. Now, once these men of authority had managed to see the beauty of of Sarai for themselves, what all this ruckus had been over this woman that had come into their country. They felt it was their duty to inform their Pharaoh of what they had encountered. So in Genesis 12, 15, these princes had personally sought an audience with this Pharaoh. And upon reporting to him what they had personally viewed regarding Sarai's most extraordinary and incredible beauty, they are said to have commended her... To Pharaoh. Now that word commended. That's used here. Is a special word. It's the Hebrew word. Halal. That word is used over 80 places. Throughout the Old Testament. When referring to people offering up praise. Unto the Lord God Jehovah. It's a. Special word. Some of the meanings that are attached to the word halal are to make a show, to boast in a clamorously foolish way, to rave, to sing praises, to be worthy of praise. We're talking about something special. 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 We've all been in some church services where the Spirit of God has been so powerfully moving. And we've become so overwhelmed by it that we have become involved in offering up halal unto God. We get beside ourselves and when this urging that rises up within us and and it causes us to boast about God, to rave about him to sing praises about him and unto him you can't help yourself you can't control it it just it's something that begins to stir on the inside of you and you begin to think about how great God is and some of the things that he's done for you and some of the things he's going to do for you and you begin to think about all this and it becomes too much you can't you can't keep it in and in that process we may even have appeared to act in foolish ways in the eyes of those who didn't understand what they were witnessing. I've been in church services where that was happening, and later on I found out that people were making fun of it because they didn't understand it. They thought, people are nuts. People are insane. What are they doing? You had people running. You had people jumping. You had people shouting. You had people dancing. You had people, all kinds of stuff was going on, and people just didn't understand what was going on. And we would look like fools, as though we were acting in a foolish way. But to us, in that moment, we were so overcome by this—the incredible attributes of God, His goodness, His grace, His moral purity, His incredible love for us—and the list can go on and on and on. We were overwhelmed to the point that we felt as though we would explode if we didn't let it out. We were beside ourselves. And we didn't care who saw us because it wasn't about them. It was about him. We didn't care how idiotic we looked because it was all about him. That's the word that's used here. These dignified, authoritative men step before their king, their Pharaoh, and as they begin to share what they have seen, they become so full of appreciation that they can't hold it in. They went. They raved about her beauty. Each one of them would try to outdo the others as they sang praises about Sarai to the Pharaoh. They were beside themselves to the point where they acted like a bunch of idiots. To them, Sarai's beauty placed her in a league all her own. They had never seen beauty on that order. And they couldn't keep it in. So it would appear that Abram had not fully appreciated just how incredibly beautiful his wife actually was. Again, he had become immune to it. And now, that mistake was going to become the thread that was about to unravel his chance for the success of his plan. He didn't realize what he had. It would be good for us to realize Not take it for granted, but value it, esteem it, and protect it. Because if we lose that, we've lost everything. Walk away with your life, but you've lost everything that's important. Everything that has value. Naturally, now for sure, this event was something that Pharaoh was going to need to see for himself. I mean, you get these guys acting like idiots over this woman, and he's not going to take their word for it. I, you know, this is something that you guys are something, something like you've never seen before. I, I got to see it for myself. I have to see it for myself. Now, none of us would do that, would we? We'd just take their word. No, if it's something so spectacular and extraordinary, we want to see it. I would. I'd want to see it. So thus was there set in motion the wheels of misfortune that were about to transport Abram into some of the darkest days that he would ever face in his life. Pharaoh had become intrigued by this presentation of his magistrates, and I'm sure that he wasted no time in summoning these beautiful people to come and present themselves before his presence. Because these guests would need to be impressed by what they were going to encounter during their trip to see the Pharaoh. So I'm sure he had made some special preparations, some special things that he had set for them to experience. Some things that he wanted them to to see for themselves. And we're going to have to quit for that at that point for next week. Sorry. But we'll pick up next week with this. But I think that God really today would like us to, to have a great appreciation for the beautiful thing that He placed inside of us for the the power of the Holy Ghost that is operating and functioning in our lives. And so I want us to pray in closing today that God would just simply help us to reevaluate. Help us to take some time and to grow more appreciative again of the great gift that he has given to us. A treasure, if you will. A treasure that we have to protect from thieves. Scripture tells us that nobody can take us out of his hand. But we can still leave his hand if we choose. God help us to choose not to give it up, not to let it pass from us, not to become so commonplace to us that we lose respect for it and what it can be to us and for us. So let's pray this morning and ask God to help us to have a a deeper appreciation and a greater value for the Spirit of God in our lives. Jesus, we thank you.